As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. It's not about me. I'm only here for a minute. And I know that I can't fix it. I can help even just a little bit. Won't you let me try? Hello and welcome to the latest Laz and Powers. I'm Mark Lazarus, joined by Scott Powers. And yes, all of this snow is my fault. You I, son of a... I, I deserve every bit of vitriol and F-bomb that Scott Powers uh, is throwing my way. Everyone in the Chicagoland area should be doing the same. I, I, a few weeks ago, I'm like, oh man, we haven't had a real good snow in about two, <laughs> two years. I bought this new snowblower. I haven't got to use it yet. Now I'm using it every single day for the rest of my life, and I hate the world. And uh, honestly, uh, I'm starting to think it might be a good idea to just let the planet die. I might become a Republican. <laughs> I, I do curse you out every time I go out there. I was out there. I know you were out there early this morning. I was out there. Uh, I put in the early shift for the the condo. Uh, got I, I did the whole gangway in the front part, and then got to the got to the parking lot, and it was just there was no there was no hope. So I just I walked back <laughs> back inside. My car is not moving anytime uh, next few days. So oh, was, God bless uh, my snowblower. It it is it is a, a marvel. I just go up and down the block and like you know help out the old people. It's like you can feel like you do something good in the world. But yeah. I still I'm cursing under my breath the whole time while saying oh happy to help. Why don't you come over here? That'd be terrific, too. You live very far away. <laughs> um, yeah, Blackhawks are out of town, so at least we don't have to worry about driving to the United Center. That was Yeah, the, the, storm, the storms have been mostly well-timed <laughs> well in that regard, yes. Um, we, did, uh, we did watch last night's game from, from afar. Um, another, uh, another Blackhawks overtime game, like it felt inevitable, <laughs> like that was eventually going to be the, uh, the outcome. Uh, the way those two teams were playing, it was obviously not uh, very pretty hockey or entertaining hockey, but uh, 
uh, a battle to the finish. And then, yeah, I mean, I mean just the Blackhawks continued to um, they continue to pick up points. And, I mean, Col- I thought Colleton was very measured, you know. Like, he was obviously not pleased with the play last night. But, you know, you know said he's stolen two points and it's one they're not going to frame. But they can't, take the, they can't take the two points away from the Blackhawks. So, um, it was... Uh, uh, but again, I think to the bigger picture, it's you know that's you know he says it's easier to teach when they win, and you know it can reinforce some things. So, um, yeah, I don't know what what you took away, but you know I think for the I think everyone's starting to talk about playoffs and all these things, and I I don't think that's where the focus still is, at least from uh, you know from the organization and the management. It's like it's these are all things that are nice and good, and and somehow they get in the playoffs. That's that's you know I'm sure they'll be happy, but that's that's not where this is at. I mean, Ian Mitchell getting more ice time. It's you know the, what Lincoln and Subban are doing in net. You know, even on the last play yesterday, it's you know Nicholas Bodan, you know threading a threading a pass through two defenders, getting at the P.S. Suter and Suter setting up Kubalik. I I think the playoffs would would yeah certainly they take that, but it's still about the long term picture and it's something they're building towards the future. Yeah, let's let's not make uh uh yeah any bones about what that playoff spot would be it would be a first round matchup with the Tampa Bay Lightning which the Blackhawks have very little chance of winning you would think <laughs> yeah. so it's not that big a deal making the playoffs it's it's it is it's, it's about all those little things but in you know I look at it that it is about the big picture it's about the bigger picture than just this season and the playoffs all those little things you're talking about that is the big picture the, the development of these young players and the bar being raised around here I mean the Blackhawks were pissed about winning two points last night that's not a thing that would have happened the last couple of years they would have been like, hey we got two points we'll take it any way we can get it and you know Jeremy Carlton was genuinely kind of pissed about the way they played and rightfully so because they didn't play well. Um, you know, I felt a little silly asking Colleton about this after the game, but I asked him, did you feel better about the loss against Columbus a few weeks ago than you did about a win tonight against Detroit? And he said, yeah. He said, I, I probably slept better that night than I will uh, this night because the bar is being raised faster than we expected it to be. This is not a contender by any se- uh, sense of the imagination here. But the bar is being raised. The standard is getting higher. And that standard has been so low for a couple of years now that that's significant. That you can be pissed after a win is significant progress and, and something to really hang your hat on. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I think that's that's the only problem. And I don't think they expected it to be that way this year. I, I'm sure they thought they'd be... Uh, this would be a challenge throughout the year. So the they, they would not they, have sent out that rebuilding email if they thought they were going to be this good <laughs> this year. Put it that way. For sure. Um and there's been there's been so many surprises. Like I, I think you know the, the fact that Suter's done well. Like you know considering what he had done in in Switzerland, I I didn't expect it uh, completely just based on what I'd seen. But you know he he's obviously better than I thought, and and he's able to been, he's been able to transfer over a lot of things. But you know the way that Mitchell's played isn't a surprise. And um, but but when you guys look at guys like Brandon Hagel, who um, you know had a fine first pro season and certainly got an NHL chance, but the the way that he's played in, in every game, and, and you know we cut a couple more clips yesterday about just he's making those plays that you notice, those extra effort plays, and um, you know you know Kershev's, yeah, I thought not this past game, but the game before that was was he was really good in making those type of plays, and then um, you, you add in Bodan, who I think is another huge surprise. Where considering he was playing a third pairing ice time to come you know last season in, in Rockford, and now you know he's he's on the third pairing here on the top power play unit. He was. 
Um, you know, him and Duncan Keith basically split up the overtime. You know, Mitchell had one shift, but they're they're guys that, that I I think the Blackhawks projected to be part of the future, but not this quickly. And that and that's probably the most encouraging thing for them is that um, you you do have some tough decisions to make. I mean, Adam Boquist is is going to come back, and where does he fit in? You know, maybe you might take out Lucas Carlson at this point, but um, I think Bodan's you know made that more difficult. And Hagel's taken you know I know Walmart was in the lineup yesterday, but Hagel's probably taking taking spots in the lineups from guys like Walmart where they thought they'd be role players, and you know guys like Kurashev and Hagel have stepped in have already. Um, yeah, they've already proven themselves to be, you know, top nine guys and guys can carry those roles. So I think that's where especially the season has been so so surprising. It's and probably so encouraging for the Blackhawks again, because it's, it's not just role guys, guys that you probably thought around, you know, be around for a year or so. It's guys that they have long term futures, the Blackhawks, and and they're already making, um, you know, already having some sort of impact. Yeah, and this isn't this isn't going to be the team two years from now. I mean, a lot of these guys aren't going. Some of them are going to be sold off for parts. Some of these rookies are going to get, you know, pl- uh, you know, have have their jobs taken by other rookies coming in. I mean, you've got Kirby Doc coming back next year. You've got theoretically, hopefully, Jonathan Taves coming back at some point. Alex Nylander will be in the mix. Lucas Reichel will be in the mix. There's other guys in the system that are coming up. Wyatt Kalanuck is going to get a look at some point here in the future. So all these guys are playing well. But there's other guys coming in the system too. All of that is very encouraging. There, there's people out there that are looking for you know nits to pick on this team, and they're saying, "Oh, they'd be better off being terrible and getting a top five pick." And I get that argument. There's there, there's some validity to that. But when you see what happened over the summer, they won that series against Edmonton. A lot of people were upset about that. They got value out of that. They made progress because of that. That made them a better team in the long run. And I'd, I'd rather have 56 games of of true development. And, and Jeremy Collins right when he says it's easier to coach, it's easier to teach when you're winning because guys are more receptive to it. They're not thinking, well, this isn't working. So there's a lot of validity to the argument that they're going to get a lot more out of this season by being competitive than they are if they just got a top five pick out of it. If they wind up with the 12th pick in the draft, that's no man's land. Everyone always says you don't want to be just, you don't want to finish in 10th place in the conference or this year, fifth or sixth place in the division. And I get it. I'm, I've said that before. I don't think that's necessarily the case this year because they do have some good young players. They're going to get another one no matter where they pick. You're picking in the top 15, you're going to get a good pick. And if they get a playoff experience out of it, well, hell, there's value in that. So I think there's a lot to be excited about. This is a you're, you're, you're getting more fun as a fan than you definitely than you expected to get this year. That's not in, in a year like this, that's not nothing. And beyond that, the team is making more progress much faster than anyone thought they would. Uh, I, I just I don't understand the idea of being unhappy about that. Yeah. And, and let's see what this team becomes. You know, I like the fact that they've um, they're having some success doesn't mean that it's going to continue all season. Especially oh, when you look yeah. at you look at March and you, you have all those Tampa uh, games are coming. <laughs> Yeah, the, you got Tampa and, and certainly Florida's playing better, and you still have, uh, yeah, the, and then there's Dallas again there, and, and yeah, I mean Carolina. Yeah, I mean this March schedule is pretty crazy, so we'll, we'll see what they are. But yeah, I, I don't, I don't see why people are. I don't. I, I feel like people are just so angry at Stan Bowman and Jeremy Carlton that it's it just it's hard for them. And and I get it, you know, like it's I get being a fan, and and sometimes you're you're almost wishing your team does awfully awful, um, so that. So that there can be a changes and and you can get people, but yeah, you don't want to become the Chicago Bears, basically. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, I, I, so I, I mean, I, I get where some fans are and why, regardless of the team's success, that they can't really embrace it. So that there's, um, <laughs> you got to, you have to give Colleton credit 
for, for, for getting these guys along. And you have to give Stan Bowman credit. Almost all these guys were his signings, his draft picks, his European scouting department. I mean, they, they've, you know, these are all his team. This is his team and they're all, you know, succeeding earlier than expected. I'm sorry, daddy. My, my three-year-old's home. My three-year-old's home alone. <laughs> Maeve, come here. <laughs> my my fo- my my phone rang, and she uh, she she answered it on the iPad. I can ever I can hear her having a conversation with someone in the other room. <laughs> it's some some European source. <laughs> it was a friend of mine, luckily. But yeah, I just <laughs> I muted it on my phone when it rang here, but she was on the iPad, so I just I, I heard her having a conversation in the other room. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I, what do you, what do you, what do you think? I, I when Mur- Murphy comes back, when Bocas comes back, um, you know, I heard, I, I heard it from a source yesterday that Shaw's, Basically, you're taking it day by day. So, you know, I don't think there's any uh, short or long-term plans there. We'll see when he's back in the mix. But um, but even now, Reese Johnson, you know, I, I think he's played a decently on the fourth line. You get, you get Carpenter back. They, ha- they have this, some, some decisions here to make, and I think especially defensively. You know, Murphy was only supposed to be out of basically two weeks, and uh, Boquist should be ready ready pretty soon. You know, he's he's been back for about a week skating. Where where do they fit in the mix? I mean, who do they who do you sit? I, I don't I don't think Carlton necessarily wants to go um, eleven forwards in seven D, but I, I think it's it's something that he may consider just based on wanting to probably sit a forward over a defenseman at this point. Well, that's just, I think he has to. He's kind of been laying the groundwork for that. He's done it, I think, four or five games so far this season, and he talked the other day about, I don't like it, but look, Tampa Bay won a Stanley Cup doing it, and he's not wrong. I think that it's easy to take Lucas Carlson out of the mix right now, given where Bodan and Mitchell are, and, yeah, you know, that's that's an easy answer, and then Murphy comes back in, you got seven defensemen, and then, but then what do you do at forward? You got Ryan Carpenter, who is playing pretty well coming back. Lucas Walmark is still out there. Um, so you're looking at all these guys. You got 15, 16, 17 forwards that could potentially play right now, and you might only have 11 spots for them because you're going to have seven defensemen. It's a good problem to have, as a coach would say, but it's still a significant problem. Are you going to sit a young guy, a Reese Johnson, to get a veteran like a Ryan Carpenter in there? Or are you going to start benching veterans or looking to even move some of these veterans to, to clear more uh, space for the for the rookies? The, the, the Blackhawks have some decisions ahead of them. Yeah, and it's interesting because Carpenter's a guy who's who's signed. So I, I wonder if he's they want to see how that works on the fourth line because the fourth line was pretty good when you know I mean with Camp Carpenter and uh, I guess it was Hagel early on and I mean even now Highmore has been been sitting so I know they're not exactly um, you know Highmore's had good games but I, I think they expect more so 
It'll be interesting, yeah, because I, I think it, it is, I mean, you're looking for immediate success in some ways, but you, you have to be thinking that big picture, too, and um, and it, it's strange, because even, like, a guy like Soderbergh, like, he, he wasn't really much of a factor, and now he's playing well, and he, he certainly helps you, so I don't imagine sitting them and, you know, sitting him, and, and Yanmark, you know, we've certainly discussed a lot about his, the eye test for the analytics, and now both are kind of lining up for him, and and, um, you know, just considering what I, everything I've heard, you know, the Blackhawks, you know, might see Yanmark as a piece of the future, too. So it, it'll, it'll be interesting because I, I, one, they expected Yanmark and Soderbergh, all those guys in Walmart to come in and, and help you. And then all of a sudden you have all these rookies and youngsters um, step up and, and, you know, prove themselves earlier. So it's only, it, 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 yeah, it creates some issues. And, you know, as from Quinville to Carlton, they all say that this is these are all problems they'd like to have. Th- there's nothing wrong with having some of these guys in Rockford too. In, in you know, if 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 you're if if you're trying to win and be competitive, and that matters to you to have these guys experience that, then you pick a couple of these guys and the young guys, you send them to Rockford, and they go dominate down in Rockford, and they wait their turn. You're not supposed yeah. to be. A, you know, everyone's not supposed to make the NHL at 20, 21 years old. You're supposed to you know buy your time in Rockford. There's nothing wrong if Reese Johnson goes to Rockford. It's not a huge deal. You know, the Blackhawks, if they, if they want Yanmark and, and Carpenter in, they can do that and still have a, a whole bunch of young guys in prominent roles and still have this be a developmental season. You don't have to have 12 rookie forwards and six rookie defensemen and two rookie goalies for this to be a development year. They've got enough guys that are clearly part of it now with Kurashev and Suter and, uh, you know, you go down on and on down the list with Hagel and all these guys and all the defensemen that no matter what you choose, this is still a, a, a year of progress and development for a lot of young players. To the bigger picture, where do you, I mean, eventually the Blackhawks think they could dock and Taves back. Um, you know, Nylander probably has a little bit more competition. Like a year from now, where, what do you think the lineup is? That's a great question because that's, again, we there's too many guys right now. And a lot of them, you know, are signed with term and, you know, uh, we, we we when they signed Walmart, we thought he was going to be a piece. He's only twenty five; that he was going to be a piece for the future. But Yanmark has been the better mark, so I don't know <laughs> if if he's he's twenty seven. He's still a relatively young guy in the prime of his career. Uh, I, I have no idea what this lot roster is going to look like. We don't even know if Kevin Lankinen is going to be the number one goalie. He's been great, but it's been you know four weeks. I mean, a lot of I, I, a lot of us are are seeing this, and, and and you know people are getting excited about the team. But this is still a pretty small sample size we're talking about. Yeah. It's 17 games that we're talking about. So there's a long way to go here just in this short 56-game season and then a whole offseason of wheeling and dealing. We're going to see some moves at the trade deadline. They've got some extra veterans. You're going to lose a guy to, uh, you know, even if it's Madison Bowie, you're going to lose a guy at the uh, expansion draft. There's a lot that can happen between now and next fall, let alone next winter. I I I, I couldn't possibly tell you what this team's going to look like a year from now. It, I, I think they're going to lose a quality defenseman in the expansion draft, too. I know they brought Madison Bauer to fill a requirement, but when you look at who they have to protect now, like, you definitely have to protect, you have to protect like, a Hagel. And, um, you know, like, even now, like, I I was looking at defensemen, and they're required to, you know, protect Seabrook and Keith there just based on the no-movement clause, and you add in a third one, and you would think it's Murphy and, um, and now, you know, from what we talked to Stan Bowman, it certainly seemed like he had no uh, plans of not resigning, you know, like he certainly sounded like he was going to resign the door off, you know, he was, as he said, it was, you know, their property. So, right. um, I, I think, uh, yeah, I, I, there's some interesting decisions that, that be ahead of them. You know, I, I think they want to protect Nylander. I think they still think Nylander is a, as a future piece, maybe, um, some of these other players that provide you a little bit more, um, yeah, just depth and maybe just stability there, but they still think Nylander has a massive upside. And so I don't see them allowing, um, you know, 
Seattle just take a chance on a guy like Nylander. I, I think the Blackhawks want to protect him too. So I, I think that's definitely, you know, th- there's some interesting decisions. And, and even a year from now, maybe they sign Lucas Reich. I don't know if he, he starts in the NHL, but if you're playing in, in Germany in the top division and having some success, I mean, there's not much of a huge, there's not a massive difference between the AHL and, 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 um, and the, in the German league, you know, in the top division, I mean, there's a lot of former AHL and NHL players playing in uh, with Ice Baron and, and other teams in Germany. So I, I think it would make sense to bring over uh, Reichel and, and, you know, if he's, I think he'll be 19 where his contract could still slide next year, even if he plays in, in Rockford, I, I think, um, you know, so I think there's some other possibilities and, and then other parts that there's also probably some cap space. The fact that these young guys have emerged that it, 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 it you can go out and you don't have to go out and find those guys in free agency. Now you can, uh, um, I feel like the Blackhawks are trying to plug so many holes, um, you know, through free agency and trades before. And now you have some more development within your own system. And um, and I also don't count the Blackhawks finding another gem in Europe. I mean, they've proven, um, you know, I, I think I think I think the point that people a lot of miss is that everyone has scouting staffs like the Kubaliks and Panarins, all these all these players are known. It's the Blackhawks' ability to close the deal on these guys. You know, I think, <clears throat> and if if they can sell that opportunity again, you know, maybe. Maybe there's someone else for them to get. So yeah, I think this roster could be really, really interesting next year, and um, and the trade deadlines can be interesting this year too. Because if um, you know if they want to take on a bad contract or something like that, or or something with the LTIR they have, maybe that's a possibility to grab um, sort some sort of assets out of that from as well. Yeah, you mentioned Lucas Reichel. I was talking to one of his Ice Baron teammates this morning for another story I'm working on, and he basically said he 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 reminds him of Connor McDavid in that he can make. <laughs> He can handle the puck and make plays at just ridiculous levels of speed, that he can do everything at top speed. And that's that's the modern NHL, right? That's what you want to see out of guys. That's what guys like Matt Barzell and Connor McDavid, they can do. They can, you know, they don't have to slow down to make a play. They can just go full bore and still be phenomenal with the puck. So there's a lot of upside for that kid, uh, you know, that might be hyperbolic, but, you know, it's another piece that you're going to have and Kirby Doc's coming back and all these guys. So uh, it's interesting. There's a lot, there's a lot to be excited about if you're a Blackhawks fan, it's a long road, it's a process. And as we keep saying, you know, progress isn't linear, but uh, uh, there's a lot to like. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct TV satellite free. Direct TV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. So uh, with that in mind, let's hear what fans have to say. Let's uh, listen to a few voicemails. Hey, guys. My name's Chris. I live out here in Nebraska. I'm really happy to have you both uh, at The Athletic. I really enjoy the content. I got to thinking about the Hawks and was just kind of had a thought. We talk about how the team doesn't really have any players on it who can fill the net just as a pure goal scorer, with the exception of Debrinket and Kubelik. Is it possible that Colleton's system just doesn't cater to that? I mean, Nylander didn't flourish in it last year. We haven't heard from Brandon Peary since the first week of the season. Is it possible that the system that's in place just kind of prevents people who are capable of filling the net from really flourishing, and that's part of the reason we're not seeing a lot of big-time goal scorers on this team. Just random thought, wanted to get your feedback. Keep up the good work. I'm not sure I buy that. Uh, it's an interesting theory, but, I mean, Colleton's system is really predicated on quick transition, right? I mean, if you have 
finishers, that's what you want. You want odd man rushes going the other way based off of good, solid defense in your own end. I just don't think they have a lot of finishers. I mean, you think back to when the Hawks were in their glory years and they had they didn't just have Kane and Taves. They had Hosa. They had Sharp. They had... Uh, um, uh, got them missing names here, but they, you know, you had Panarin before that. You had Dave Boland was a huge goal scorer and junior. They had a lot of guys who could finish, even guys like Brower and Versteeg, and you know, on and on down the list. The Hawks just don't have a lot of you know. Brandon Hagel was Rockford's leading scorer last year, but he wasn't like lighting up the league. I think he had like eighteen or nineteen goals. So these are just these are depth scorers at best. You've got Kane and Debrinket, and beyond that, you don't have a ton of proven oh, Kubelik and Kubelik. Yeah, Kubelik, of course. Um, you don't have a but ton in those of three, you have scores. three. You have three thirty goal scores potentially. You know, yeah. like there's that's there's not bad. a lot there, and 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 you throw in Taves. I mean, Taves was was producing, and I, I think Doc's potential is there. Um, you know, you look at guys like Perry. It just it, it, he can score goals. That's what he does. He just one, he's not really a piece of the future. Two, that there's other parts of this game that um, that I don't think coaches like, and and that's and that's why he's often sad. So I, I don't know if Perry's a great example. Um, Nylander, you know, it's it, it, we'll see what he becomes. I mean, he he shows some flashes, um, but it didn't work out in Buffalo. It didn't work in the American League or or in NHL for him in Buffalo. He you know he had some chances. Um, yeah, they, you know, he scored at a decent rate for the Blackhawks. Probably, um, you know, he's under such a high, huge microscope because of who he was traded for, and he's not going to live up those expectations. At least he hasn't yet. So, um, I, I don't know if Nylander is a great. I don't think Perry and Nylander are the great examples. And beyond that, you know, guys like Strom doesn't score. He's never been a goal scorer. He he, he creates. Kirsch has more a creator. Um, you know, Yanmark's got six goals now. Like he's he's producing. So I, I don't know if it's necessarily the system. I think it's a lack of top six guys. I you know I I think you know Kubalik's got you know five goals now, and DeBrink had scored a bunch, and and, and certainly Kane's on track. I, like I like there's probably probably scoring more goals, especially you know in power play than I was expected. So I mean they've had some games where. Um, they're they're putting up more numbers than you know than than we probably thought. The five on five certainly struggling, but um, I don't know. You know, I, I think uh, we'll see with you know Boquist comes back. Maybe that drives some of the offense. But yeah, I'm not I'm not sure if it's necessarily assistant thing, but just lacking those those players right now. All right, next we go to Palatine. This is Scott from Palatine. Uh, enjoy your podcast. I have a question. Is Nikita Zadorov the second coming of Christopher Stieg, except that Zadorov plays defense? Both guys are eerily similar. They get a big heart. They're popular with their teammates. They're both involved in a lot of big plays, just not always in the Blackhawks' favor. They make a really nice play and then can cut out a position or cough up the puck two shifts later. Thoughts on that? I love this comparison. That is such a good comparison because Christopher Stieg drove fans absolutely batty, and he drove Joel Quenville batty too. But Quenville loved him for it. He, he he gave him the most shit out of anyone on that team, but he also played him a ton because he he was willing to take the good with the bad. Now, are you more willing to take the good with the bad with a forward, a third-line forward, than you are with a defenseman? I think so. The problem with Zadorov is anytime the puck is on his stick. He's a good, solid defender. He's breaking up a lot of plays. He's, he's in the right spots. He's got a good stick. But the second that puck hits his stick, bad things start happening. And that's where he needs to make significant improvement if he wants to be a piece and a, a quote-unquote all-around defenseman. You know, it's interesting. I'm writing a piece on Nicholas Bodan for tomorrow, and I was going through all his shifts from yesterday, and 
I think the reason Carlton has it off and Bodan together because they they are the complete opposites. Where I think they of the young guys, Bodan's the guy that probably breaks out the best and you know can can create. Uh, some some transition and you know had putting Zadorov with Bolquist or something like there's just too much unpredictability there. Um, at least with you know if if Zadorov's with Bodan, maybe he gives the puck to Bodan and they get out and and Zadorov can certainly fill in some of the uh, the strength and physicality for uh, that that Bodan lacks. So you know and especially as a third pairing and I, I think they've been sheltered a little bit that like that pairing might make sense. Like you've seen the flashes of what Zadorov can do defensively and with the skating and size, but it is you know it's a bit of an adventure. And he time he touches the stick and um you know the puck touches his stick so yeah it's uh they continue to think that they're that he's going to improve and you know if you can just keep on reiterating him to you know get the puck off your stick as as, as quickly as possible because the longer it stays on there it just becomes um you know more troublesome usually so uh, and, and then you know having bodan is that reliable outlet maybe that works too but um yeah that's it it's an interesting comparison because you know zadorov does seem like he can be a fan favorite and you know certainly when fans come in the way that he uh um, yeah, gets into it a little bit physically, and, and he does have, you know, he seems like he have a great personality that I'm sure he'll he'll grow on fans even more. All right, up to Milwaukee. Hey, Laz and Powers. Uh, Stan from Milwaukee. Love you guys' stuff. You guys do great work. I just wanted to call in and see what you guys' thoughts were on Neolander being a USA this offseason. And um, is it worth it to even bring him back at this point? Uh, clearly, obviously, he has all the tools, but this kid might be the next Victor Stahlberg, and that might be a diss to Victor Stahlberg. <laughs> but when you've got guys like Hagel, Highmark, Kirishev, solid wingers that are on entry-level contracts playing better than he could be, uh, is it worth it even re-signing Nylander, um, who's a huge question mark? I, I really just want to hear you guys' thoughts on that because those guys are just playing out of their minds, and... I flat out don't think that it is worth to bring Nylander back. So I just want to hear you guys' thoughts on that. Uh, you guys do great work. Keep up the great work. Uh, all right. First of all, Nylander's a restricted free agent after yeah, the season. Yeah, he's an RFA, yeah. And he will cost very, very little coming off an, a, a year where he was injured. He's, you know, might be making six figures, not even not even more than a million next year. So yeah. uh, he, he's absolutely a part of the future. Uh, see, here's the thing. All those guys that, that, that were mentioned in that voicemail, you need to talk about your Kurashev and your Hagel and all these guys that are working hard and playing great out there, they're not goal scorers. Alex Nylander is a goal scorer. I know he gets a lot of shit and a lot of his, some of it's deserved is, you know, that whether he's got the motor and all that. He had 10 goals and 16 assists last year in a shortened season. He was seventh on the team in even strength points. He was fifth on the team in even strength goals. Uh, he had the same amount of even strength goals as Dylan Strom. You know, he's he's a legitimate player who can score. It's a matter of putting it together for him, but he's still a young guy. I think you you can't just have a bunch of grinders. You're not going to win with Patrick Kane, Alex Dabrinkit, Dominic Kubelik, and a bunch of grinders. You need some high-end skill players to complement those guys. And I think if you put, you know, Colleton's talked about how wherever he puts Brandon Hagel in the lineup, he elevates everyone else. Everyone tries to keep up with him. Maybe that's something that he can do for Nylander. Maybe he can help lift Nylander and, and light that fire under him so that he gives 100% every single game. Nylander has skill. He can fill the net. He's a piece that they need going forward if they want to be, you know, get better. They need him to get better. So uh, he's he's definitely a part of the future if he's not lost in the Seattle draft. Um, I, I I understand the concerns about him, the criticisms about him, but I think it's way too early to be writing off a guy like that. 
Yeah, you know, I was going through before he got hurt. I was going through all his shifts from the playoffs and curious, you know, where it went wrong. You know, for him to have zero points, considering how he played before uh, the pause, and then how he looked in camp. You know, with 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 Kane. I mean, they looked they looked. I, mean, I wrote a whole story around it how how good they looked, and you know, for just the fall apart. And um, it, it it seems like a lot of it comes down to confidence with him. You know, it's uh, he actually played some early games and you know uh, against Edmonton, he was playing pretty well. You know, the points were coming, but they were creating offense. And as 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 that series went on, and then and then Vegas, like he just he seemed to lose all confidence, and it seems like his game de- de- deteriorates where he he just he loses mental focus, and sometimes you know like he he starts losing the puck and whiffing on on pucks, and and, and his game just yeah just it, it falls apart. So. Um, and obviously a lot of players are like this where, you know, the confidence is such a factor and you wrote a great story about it, I think last season, but um, you know, for him, I think it's, it's, it just seems so much more where just things are going well. He, he's rolling. If not, then, you know, like he's just, he's, he goes from someone that you, you just can't have on the ice at times. So like, I'm sure that's something, you know, the Blackhawks will try to continue to address, but um, yeah, it's, I think the one thing that does, you know, Hagel and Kirsch have these guys coming along, like it, it, it provides you some security blankets, you know, like it's, you have a bunch of top nine pieces. Like if Nylander works out great, you know, I'm in the Blackhawks will plug him in. And, um, but now you have some depth and, and you can maybe, um, maybe you don't go in next season relying completely on Nylander being a piece. I, I mean, last season, you know, he started on, I think on the top line yeah. or in a top six position uh, and, and then, you know, went down to the fourth and kind of bounced around. I think next year, like you can, maybe you set it up, not, thinking you know like if he comes around great then we'll make some tough decisions but you know if, if yan marks around him yan marks scoring goals and uh you know if hagel starts figuring out offensively here at some point like you have other options um and nylander maybe isn't your your your, your plan you know plan a so i i think that's what the emergence of these guys helps them with but i i, I certainly still think nylander's pick you know part of the puzzle again you know him being an rfa he's not going to cost a lot and and then you don't have to rely on him as much if if, if he's not up to the up to up to it so um the, the big question is the expansion draft and you know i i think they do protect him just because they don't want to give him up for free but um other than that you know he, he's at least in i would think in their you know media plans for at least the next couple of years all right before we run out of time here let's hit a, an email or two nathaniel hoft says just by the eye test oh i love that eye test brandon hagel is doing amazing in puck battles seeming to win most that he goes into on the forecheck and back check and getting out of the zone how does he compare with other hawks in your opinion over the last eight years um i i i, I was trying to think about this. it really i'm always wary about comparing players to andrew shaw because we've made that mistake with players before i mean ryan hartman was the next andrew shaw and this guy and that guy was the next andrew shaw but hagel seems to have that that drive that 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 few players have and Shaw always had that that Shaw had a fuck you to his game you know like he was undrafted twice and he wanted to prove everybody wrong Hagel's a six round pick but he wasn't signed by uh, was it Buffalo and now he's out here and he's 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 got a little fuck you to his game he's out there trying to prove people wrong on every single shift Yanmark had a great quote yesterday after comparing Hagel to himself which was just just chef's kiss right there that was gorgeous uh he said um uh, it's easy to do it for five games. It's hard to come into this league. It's easy to do it for five games, but he's kept it up really well. We've already se- we're already seventeen games in. I feel like every night he's out there buzzing around and creating, and that's the thing. Everyone comes out hot in their first couple of games. He's still doing it every night. He knows he has to play this way in order to stay in the NHL because he can score goals just like Shaw can score goals. But they have to play at a different level of intensity than other players do in order to succeed. I think Hagel feels that the way Shaw always felt that. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm not sure. I'm trying to think who is, uh, 
who else else in a line with uh, with Kruger or something like that? I was trying to think of bottom six guy and like an Andrew um, Desjardins type, or uh, he's got more offense, yeah. I think, than a Desjardins or a, or, or a, a yeah. Well, Michael we'll Hagel, like uh, I, I think you made a good point last night. Hagel just needs to like he just. Uh, one he needs to score a goal. Make you know, a like move, he's man! Somebody... <laughs> he comes, he gets a breakaway every game, and he just goes right in on net and shoots. Make a move, man! Um, but yeah, he's he's you know like this is what they were hoping he'd be like a guy who's just active and you know like he's probably a guy that, like this is what they were hoping like Fortan would have been right like they they saw that speed and um you know hoping that Fortan would pick it up more defensively and, and you know just it didn't click for Fortan but this is you know he's he's a guy who's gonna be great on the forecheck and yeah if he can figure out offensively he's certainly a little bit more valuable. Um, Let's see what other questions we got. We uh, Alan, Alan Goth Elf here, which I love that. I don't know. I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, but the idea of a Goth <laughs> Elf is pretty awesome. Uh, he had a couple of questions. The one I like is, who do you think will emerge as the leader of the young defensemen? Mitchell, Boquist, Carlson, Bodan, or Kalanuck? Uh, Ian Mitchell's got that kind of that je ne sais quoi where there's something really calm and confident about him that I can easily see him kind of taking the reins of this next generation. Yeah, that, you know, that sounds good. Yeah, it's, it'll be interesting. I don't know, like uh, the Mitchell. Mitchell is so vocal out there. Like he's like even among the like like I you know the fact that we can hear things a little bit more in the empty stadiums. Like it's Mitchell's certainly the one you hear uh, even among all the veterans. Even like he's always the one that's yelling and barking things out for the puck and and communicating. So yeah, it'll be like there was you know Kalinick certainly had a big role at Wisconsin and uh, like I mean Bodan coming in for you know he was uh, I don't know if he was a captain or. Um, certainly he had a leadership role in, uh, you know, for his Quebec team. And um, Carlson is a little bit older, too. So, yeah, it's, it's a, you know, like I, I think it's um, a pretty positive group. They uh, they have him a leadership role and, you know, guys that, uh, you know, all seem like high character guys and stuff and that sort of thing. So um, this question is from David Bloom. Um, my question is, how the how are the Hawks planning on handling the trade deadline this year? Everything we've seen so far has been a real good story given the beginning of your outlook, but I think the reality is that a run and a playoff berth is less valuable than a stronger draft position slash prospect pipeline. Do you see Bowman shopping some of these players to contenders in exchange for picks slash prospects? I think you have to at least explore options with some of these veterans. I mean, Calvin DeHaan has played great this year, but can you if you're if you're not going to be able to protect him in the expansion draft, do you look into maybe seeing what you can get for him? Because all of a sudden you have a glut of good defensemen, or at least promising defensemen. Uh, I I wouldn't want to trade Calvin DeHaan if I'm the Blackhawks. I'd want him to be a stabilizing force. But you have to at least explore the idea. Some of these guys, you know, you know. Walmark and Yanmark, the way Yanmark's playing. I mean, if, if you think that he's not going to be a top nine guy for you going forward, do you sell high on him? I think you have to explore almost every veteran on the team short of like the, the three or four superstar types. You have to at least explore the idea and see what's out there. If you're only going to get a third or fourth round pick for it, then screw that. But if you can get something for it, then you have to at least consider it. See, someone like Yanmark, I'd be like, you know, we're going to trade you, but we want you back. You know, we'll, <laughs> we'll get some pieces and then you come back and we'll sign you as a UFA. Um, they also asked about uh, Delia, and you, you actually wrote a great piece about Delia yesterday, so uh, if you want to check it out, but uh, about him getting another chance and where his mindset's at. And uh, if, if anyone wants to send us an email, email is lazandpowers at gmail.com, and then if you want to leave us a voicemail, it's uh, 714-759-4529. You can also do a voice clip on your phone and email that to the email if you don't want to make a call, if you have a rotary phone and have to call a long distance like it's the 1980s. Yes, very true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and everyone, if you want a uh, subscription to The Athletic and you don't have one, you can get a deal by, uh, it's $3.99 a month, and it's at uh, 
uh, athletic www.athletic.com uh, slash Laz and Powers. Go read Katie Strang's piece on the Arizona Coyotes and tell me a subscription's not worth it. That was uh, yeah. it was a pretty awesome read this morning. Oh, incredibly sure. detailed. Yeah, no. Um, and we'll have uh, I'll have a piece on Bodan tomorrow when we certainly have our, our game coverage that we, we've been you know trying to provide uh, thorough game coverage this season and it's certainly been worthwhile considering uh, you know yeah thank well they God they're playing. actually competitive right imagine if they were like yeah. one in fifteen right now trying to write these pieces <laughs> uh, and I know we got a bunch of other stuff coming in the works and um, that piece that you talked to uh, for Reichel's teammates certainly is interesting down the road too and we'll uh, we'll tease that more as the time comes but. Um, for uh, for Mark Lazarus, I am Scott Powers, and this is Laz and Powers, and we'll talk to you soon. I can help even just a little bit. Won't you let me try?